Welcome to the Technology Lab, presented by CPA Practice Advisor, with your hosts, Randy Johnston and Brian Tankersley. I'm Randy Johnston, along with Brian Tankersley. Brian, would you like to introduce yourself? Sure. Uh, my name is Brian Tankersley. I've been in the profession since the early 90s, have been doing accounting technology since the late 90s on a professional basis. I've written a few hundred product reviews and I've spoken in 48 states talking about accounting technology to CPAs. And I am from Hutchinson, Kansas. I am so pleased to spend time with you today. I have been on the top 100 list since 2004, the top 25 list since 2011. I love to spend time in technology and with my family as well. I'm fortunate enough to have founded Network Management Group, which is a managed service provider providing services from Boston to Honolulu. And my K2 business is how I met Brian, and it is how we've probably met many of you producing CPE and PD in the U.S. and Canada. We're so pleased to spend time with you on today's Technology Lab. Good day. Welcome to the Technology Lab. I'm Randy Johnston with my co-presenter, Brian Tankersley. Today, we want to talk about the use of artificial intelligence in Microsoft products. Now, we know this will evolve fairly rapidly for the company, particularly after their additional investment in OpenAI. However, we have a few areas specifically we'd like to talk about with you. First is the use of uh, ChatGPT inside the Bing search engine. Also, the Discover button inside the Edge browser. A newly developed set of features for Microsoft 365 Copilot, and then a prototype or early item that's in pre-release called Microsoft Designer. So you can hear, oops, what happened? Did Microsoft have one of those aha moments, like when they discovered that the internet might be a real thing in 1995? <laughs> <laughs> Did they discover that artificial intelligence might be real? Now, friends... I'm going to tell you that uh, I wrote artificial intelligence code starting in 1976. So this isn't particularly new to me, and, and I've followed artificial intelligence for a long doggone time. But we will talk about what really makes artificial intelligence algorithms different in another technology lab. But here we're going to focus on Microsoft stuff. So, Brian, what would you like our listeners to know about the Microsoft releases of these AI tools? Well, as you aptly described, Microsoft clearly has gotten religion with respect to AI, and they've talked about it a little bit, but they actually have, I believe, licensing with the, uh, with the OpenAI Foundation, and they have a multi-billion dollar investment in the OpenAI Foundation. So, you know, realistically, um, their OpenAI has a strong, strong relationship with Microsoft. And so they've, they've decided they wanted to incorporate this into a lot of their products. One of the better uses of it I've seen thus far has been, has been a thing just using, using it in Bing. You know, where Bing, you know, I, I've, I've tried Bing in the past, it, like most of us had, and I always switched back to Google or I went to DuckDuckGo because I was too creeped out by the privacy issues associated with Google. And with Bing, it seems to be, it, it seems to give me better responses with the AI integrations that they've added now that I've gotten the AI turned on in the search that I use. What's your experience been with that, Randy? Yeah, I appreciate that because, you know, again, Microsoft threw 10 billion at this 
chat GPT OpenAI initiative on uh, January uh, 23rd, I think it was, and they had invested before that time. It took me a while to get access to Bing. I was kind of miffed that I couldn't get in to actually see the uh, chat GPT integrations. Like you, Brian, my primary search engine had been DuckDuckGo, but I'd also used another highly private search engine called U.com as well. And what I did over the past 90 days, maybe 120 days, is I did a lot of my searches across all the platforms. And once I started using the Bing search results compared to Google, compared to DuckDuckGo, compared to you, compared to every other bloody thing that I tried, I realized that I wanted the results that I was getting in Bing more often than not. See what happens in most of these search engines? You get a bunch of links sorted in an order that that engine wants you to see. Google, you know, is notorious for presenting things that favor them first. But Bing gives you a summary with multiple sightings. Most of the time, it's between three and six sightings. So they give you a good summary that you can probably use and probably gives you all the information you want. But it also backs it up with, here's where I got it from. And to me, that's usually what I'm wanting to know. So for me, I've found that I am defaulting now to the Bing chat experience more times than not if I want to have a summary of the information. Now, if I want to go to a site, nah, it's not really doing that job very well. In other words, if I wanted to search on K2 Enterprises and go to k two site, Bing's search just doesn't do that very well for me. You know, I find it interesting that we're back in the days, we've gone back to the days where we have different search engines we use for different things. 20 years ago, if I was looking for something uh, where I was looking for links, I'd go to Yahoo. If I was looking for something that I'd just never heard of before, I'd go to Google because it seemed to do the best with the word searches. And then I used AltaVista on other things 20 years ago. And so it's it's fascinating to me how what's old is new again with AI. And now we have different capabilities and different outputs and different kinds of things they're good at um, across different search engines, Randy. Yeah, you know, and something I have worked on, frankly, this year, just because I needed to do it, I had let some of my personal websites age a little bit. I'd used a creation tool called Joomla, which is still a good tool, but I decided to convert them to a new modern look and feel. And what I discovered is my site might have been called a link farm simply because I just kept links on stuff that I thought was interesting so I could remember them. And Brian, that you're young enough, it's probably not a problem for you yet. But for me, as I get older, I have a little trouble saying, I know that, but I can't recall it. <laughs> my, my link farm helps me a little bit. And I rediscovered, for example, Metacrawler and Webcrawler and some of these other search engines that, you know, also acted differently than what we're used to. You know, another one that we used to recommend pretty reg regularly was Dogpile, right? And so I just think about all these old search engines and you are spot on. I hadn't considered that maybe what is old is new again. We're probably at the point we have to go back for these different search engines. But I think if you haven't tried the Bing piece, you, you know, as it has the add-in in the Edge browser, you might just be surprised. I think you'll be pleasantly surprised because uh, when... 
when we were doing, you'll recall that we did recently a ChatGPT episode. And when we did that, I had it write uh, 200 word, we were prepping for this session. I had to write 200 word bios for Randy and myself. And both of the ones that came through ChatGPT had stuff that was not post 2021 stuff, but it was just complete balderdash. It was completely made up. When we took the same query out of ChatGPT and we put it into Bing, Bing brought up nice, tight, well-written bios and harvested details from things that were available online and it was footnoted. And, and so it was, it was a world of difference. It was something that, that would have caused a huge loss of credibility on, you know, on the chat GPT side, because it was just fake. And then there was, we had this other one that was well footnoted, that was tight, that I could almost cut and paste and drop into a slide. And I don't know that it's not, it wasn't better than the one that I wrote. Yeah. So Brian, in a fraction of the time while you were talking, I used Bing and I just said, explain the IRS mileage rates for 2023. And it wrote a short little thing. In fact, I'm going to use our airtime to just call it back. The IRS has announced the new standard mileage rate for 2023 is 65.5 cents per mile for business use. And then it cites two different locations, including irs.gov for that. This is a 0.3 cent increase from the 22 standard rate uh, mileage rate adjustment that was announced earlier this year as a means of combating inflation and higher gasoline costs, also from a, another citing. The IRS also announced that the standard mileage rate for medical or moving work is 22 cents per mile, and it cites another location for that. And the standard mileage rate for charity purposes is 14 cents per mile, and it cites another place. Five different citings to support that beautifully written, summarized paragraph. Now, you may not think that's perfect, but it ain't bad. Well, I hear any crap from any of you tax managers or audit managers when the partners ask you that you need to generate some content for the firm's website, okay? Because all you really have to do is to go use one of these things and then check it and maybe rewrite it somewhat in your own words, and then you've got some content, okay? You know, we don't have to, we don't have, to have peer-reviewed journals to know what the IRS, um, the IRS mileage rate is. Yeah. So, Brian, you know, another small thing that I called out was the discover button. And I know sometimes people use these features and sometimes they just look over the top of them. But I just wanted to point out that the discover button in the new Edge browser also is AI powered by Microsoft. So, you know, as you're thinking about where AI is getting used, there is probably another piece that you should know about because Microsoft is using this generative AI tools in Microsoft 365 Copilot for work. Now, in this particular release, they expect to be able to turn a Word document into an animated PowerPoint presentation complete with speaker notes. And they pointed out in the release of Copilot for work that most people only use about 10% of PowerPoint's capabilities and the company sees AI as an easier way to access the other 90%. So you can expect changes in Word, Excel, PowerPoint, and other modules using generative AI. So Brian, what, what might you uh, want our listeners to know about those particular issues? Well, they've already shown them. You know, there are, there are actually examples in the blog post announcing it where 
uh, somebody's having Word design a proposal based on notes that are linked from OneNote, and it's going through now and actually filtering that in to generate this thing, and it's happening in almost real time. You know, in Excel, there's actually a Copilot button uh, that they're showing, and in it, it's uh, going through and basically analyzing the quarter's business results and giving you output. You also have a thing here that drafts responses to email messages, which is something that I think is near and dear to everybody. So, you know, they're they're incorporating it all across here. Now, again, I, I've tried to get into the beta of it right now, and I've had some issues, and I think part of that is because I'm on an Enterprise Office 365 account, but the stuff I've seen on YouTube and the stuff I've seen in the blog post and the content Microsoft's put out is absolutely amazing and will be changing. You know, it, for example, it'll take things like uh, transmittal letters for tax returns or uh, filing instructions or other things like that, and you'll be able to just do it in seconds and and check it out. It will incorporate all the stuff that you've linked to it out of a OneNote notebook or other other places in the Office 365 cloud. It's just unbelievable. Yeah. And just as a reminder, Copilot uses large language models. Now in a separate technology lab, Brian and I will talk to you about what a large language model is, but this whole realm of generative AI and large language model is a big deal. And the OpenAI, ChatGPT, and other competitors, which again, we'll talk about in a separate lab, really is fairly easy to incorporate in product platforms. So I have been fascinated by how easy it is to embed these types of tools. Now, Brian, uh, you know, in a prior technology lab, we talked about the Top Thought Leader event and that we looked at how the tax planning tool of Corvi had demonstrated their incorporation of ChatGPT in the tax planning tool. And, you know, that was a pretty fascinating incorporation, but this whole co-pilot thing is using these large language models to, well, I'll just say improve productivity. Microsoft's using the word reinventing productivity for everyone. Well, I've talked to you about this term before. There's so much what I call digital drivel out there, you know, where people have written or said things that is just not right or is pure ugliness. This stuff is pretty thoughtful and it's learning from lots of sources. We'll talk about why in the large language models. I, I think it's, you know, the last one I wanted to talk about is something called Microsoft Designer. And this is one that interestingly, Microsoft has restricted to just your personal Microsoft account, not your business Microsoft account. So I tried to log in with to designer with Brian at K2B.com, my, uh, one of my business accounts, and it wouldn't let me do it. Um, I had to log in with a personal, uh, with a personal hotmail account in order to, um, to get access to it. That having been said, it's pretty impressive. I had it to create a flyer for a two day K K2 enterprises technology conference. And it did a very good start for it. It put in appropriate content into it. So clip art and other things like that. And I thought it was fairly well designed. Now, was it as good as what a human being does? No, I don't think so. The thing that, that this does, that generative AI really does, that's really changing is that 
it goes in and it gives you ideas. So it is much more creative than the most creative people I've ever, I've ever known. Okay. Now do they, you know, again, now you have to pick out the one you like. Okay. And it will go through and generate, like when I ask it to create a flyer, it created, looks like about 15 flyers for me. Are all of those going to work? No. Uh, but some of them, uh, actually look pretty good. Uh, you can actually go in then and say you want to customize the design and it will actually let you go in and edit it and you can add text and visuals and and you can even define your own brand kit with your color schemes and all kinds of other information that you might like to put in there. Uh, so it's it's interesting. No, it's still in beta so or in preview. So it's probably six months out anyway. I've actually seen traffic on tax Twitter where there are some people that are actually using it and doing interesting things with it. Yeah, so Brian, I know this is just an audio program for our listeners, but the visuals that you've been showing while talking are actually, in my mind, pretty stunning. And, you know, I know I don't have great graphics skills, but I can look at stuff and say I like it or I don't like it. And frankly, most of these designs I actually kind of like. Now, I know we're trying to focus dominantly around Microsoft in this particular technology lab, but I did want to mention that the new segment anything capability that Meta, Facebook to most of you, released allows an AI model that can cut out any object, any image in a single click. You know, we, we've talked about, uh, you know, fake images and fake videos and all those things. But I think this particular AI, which is called the SAM model, segment anything model, is going to change graphics even further because, again, think about taking a picture and being able to pick off anything in the picture and drop it into anything else. That's what the SAM model does. So you get these very sophisticated designer tools, and if they let us seed them with a few images, all of a sudden we've got very professional-looking designs, I think, generated by this AI stuff. And let's face it, we're going to talk about one of your favorite tools from 2022, DALI, in another technology lab. But I'm just amazed at how good some of the image generation is, although I don't think the Pope wears a big, white, fluffy coat. You know, and just think about what that's going to do for the family photo business, because, you know, when you get 20 years down the road and you find out that the ex-spouse got indicted, He's now in federal prison. You can now just take him out of all the family photos. So you can have the family history and effectively uh, you can remove the perpetrator directly from it. So, you know, there's all kinds of utility here. And uh, by the way, as part of uh, one of the sessions I did for K2 this year, I talked a little bit about the deep fakes. I actually have in one of the PowerPoints, a deep fake of uh, Justin Trudeau reading a book that is highly critical of him, as well as uh, deep fake pictures of Donald Trump uh, resisting arrest, both of which never happened. And it, the quality of them was absolutely stunning. I mean, you know, as good as the stuff we're talking about here is, you know, the, if, if you think about it, the stuff we're doing with these products, you know, if you think of it as 16-bit quality, let's say this the stuff with Trudeau and Trump was, was, you know, 10, 24 bit quality. I mean, it was just so much better. It was unbelievable. You know, as you've heard me say over and over again through the years, Brian, all technology can be used for good or bad. 
and I am concerned about the use of these technologies in uh, these election cycles. Well, we appreciate your time today in this technology lab. We'll see you in another technology lab soon. Thank you for sharing your time with us. We'll be back next week with a new edition of the Technology Lab, brought to you by CPA Practice Advisor.